0: hello and welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you discussing the words of Christ's chosen leaders. So let's get into it. Today we are talking about Elder Quentin L. Cook's talk, Safely Gathered Home, and like I talked about with Carl V. Cook's talk, I am trying to be very conscious of saying his first name because there were two cooks that spoke and they spoke in the same session, like one talk apart from each other. So this is the apostle, one of the twelve, Quentin Cook, cook, uh, safely gathered home. And all about the gathering, all about the gathering of Israel and Everything like that. So, as always, I encourage you to listen to and/or read this talk before you come and listen to me talk about it, so you can get your own inspirations and guidance and questions that you are gonna ask for yourself before you come and listen to me talk about it. Um, and hopefully, I can add something, maybe ask a question you might not have thought before. But I'm gonna jump right in. As I said, this is all about the gathering of Israel, and. Like the first uh, three quarters of it, he kind of gives, I don't want to say like the the history of the gathering, (laughs) but like he talks about, um, well, here, I'm going to read this quote near the very beginning. talking about the gathering of israel and how much emphasis president nelson specifically has has placed on the gathering of israel and he said the divinely inspired doctrine that we are all brothers and sisters and all are alike unto god underlies this great work of gathering this doctrine accords with those who deeply desire for people of diverse economic and racial status to experience better lives we applaud and join in such efforts moreover We desire for all of God's children to come unto him and receive the eternal blessings he offers through his gospel. In the Lord's preface of Doctrine and Covenants, he declares, Hearken ye people from afar, and ye that are upon the isles of the seas, listen together. And that's kind of his setup, kind of for his whole talk. um, That all, all are alike unto God, that we are all brothers and sisters, and that, you know, the gathering is to bring together all of God's children under kind of one umbrella. Um, and he jumps off from there talking about the islands of the sea, how he has had opportunities to serve in the British Isles, in the Pacific Islands, and in the Philippine Islands, um, and kind of the work that's going on there, and the Kind of unknown history, not unknown, but things that we don't talk about—the the history of missionary work, especially in the Polynesian islands, that happened, that started before sometimes um, before even they the early saints got to like the Salt Lake Valley. He um, you know, talks about a seventeen-year-old girl on a Tahitian island who's seventh-generation member. Uh, her ancestors had converted in 1845 and it was two years before church members arrived in Salt Lake Valley um, and I think we've we don't talk about that very often we we talk a lot about obviously the missionary work that happened in the states um, the journey of the saints from you know New York to Ohio to Missouri to Illinois and then out to Salt Lake and of course the missionary work that went on In England and even some of like Scandinavia like we talk about that and in Canada but we don't often talk about the the effort that was put into sending missionaries to Hawaii and the the Pacific Islands. Um, If you've read the Saints books I want to say I don't remember if it's the first or second volume where they specifically talk about the early missionary Um, efforts in the Pacific Islands I don't remember exactly like where it started and everything like that like where they first went um but they talk about like the early like the first missionaries that went there that kind of were turned away and came back years later um or who are all like, welcomed with open arms, I mean, there are so many members in the Philippines, specifically I think they have they have so many temples they just announced one or two temples in the Philippines this lot, in this conference um like the church is very strong out there, and so um it's nice it's it's cool to hear about that and to hear about the kind of lesser known parts of our missionary history. So, and then he kind of talks about the gathering as it's talked about in like the book the Bible and the book of Mormon and what the gathering kind of means and he talks about Israel and the book of Mormon talking about like Lehi leaving and kind of what that meant for the gathering kind of stuff like that um and then of course the coming of the savior and the dispersal of jews throughout the world um like historically things like that so He talks about the literal gathering of Israel as we know it, as we believe in it, is to gather everybody to our church um, and to the blessings of the priesthood and ordinances and covenants. And that's what this quote is talking about. He says, um, in, in talking about the gathering, of course, He says, as viewed through a clear lens, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have the great privilege of loving, sharing, inviting, and helping gather Israel to receive the fullness of the Lord's covenant blessings. And that... And I feel like that that's a its a very simple way of saying it, and I was grateful for that, because obvi- oftentimes when we talk about the gathering of Israel, it's kind of abstract, <laughs> and or at least it is for me. I feel like we use that phrase so often that sometimes it kind of loses meaning for me. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, of course the gathering of Israel, duh. That's, you know, the great, especially, uh, you know, the house of Ephraim and um, as members of the church, that's our great duty is to, assist in the, the gathering of Israel but what does that really mean what does that look like in practice right and so I love the churches kind of they, they've, they've said it's not an initiative um but kind of the emphasis on loving sharing and inviting and how simple that can be um that's my first question is how do you love share and invite in your daily lives and I've talked about this before, I think it was last season, last conference and probably the first conference I did last year as well. Um, I'm a very introverted and anxious person, and so it's it's hard for me to, to make friends, to go out of my way, to talk to people. Um, even though I was a missionary, like, that was a very different context. And it's just, it's hard for me to, like, go and knock on somebody's door and invite them to church. But I love my people. I love people. I have great faith in people. And I love having conversations with people. I love getting to know people. That was Some of my favorite parts of being a missionary was just sitting and talking to people and learning about their life and what they love and what they hate and experiences that they had gone through. And that's honestly what I miss most is like sitting down with members at dinner and just getting to know their family and talking and having amazing conversations. And that's loving people, right? Right that's service and smiling at somebody at the grocery store or you know whatever it may be like there are very simple things that we can do to love share and invite and maybe you do invite somebody to church or maybe you invite them to your home for dinner maybe you invite them camping with you or to go to a movie with your family or you know like there's there's a lot of things that you can invite people to where you are you have this spirit with you and they're going to feel that they're going to feel that it's different even if they don't completely understand what it is maybe they don't know for years they don't connect that whatever it may be um They're going to feel that. They're going to feel the difference. And he has a quote from President Nelson in here. Um, He says, No one has addressed the gathering more directly than President Russell M. Nelson. Quote, Anytime you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving their essential baptismal and temple ordinances, you are helping to gather Israel. It is as simple as that. And when you put it that way, when you put it that way, it seems quite simple. Um, it can still be terrifying and nerve-wracking, but honestly, you're probably already doing it. You're probably already, anytime you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving their essential baptism on temple ordinances, you are helping to gather in Israel. Anytime you go to the temple and you take a name or you do a temple name, anytime you do family history, anytime you interact with somebody and tell them you love them, like it's, it's all powerful because we are powerful. Just people, people are powerful. Love is powerful. There was a, a a general authority that came to our mission and he told the story about, I can't remember if it was like a missionary he knew or somebody he served with or somebody his son served with, but it was a, a trainer and a brand new elder. He wasn't like brand, brand new. He'd been out for a couple of weeks, but they were having a really hard time tracting, trying to find, like find people. And so they were in their apartment and they prayed about where they should go. And they both got this very distinct impression to go to this one house, this one door. So they did, they knocked on the door. The guy answered the door, didn't even give them a chance to talk. He just started yelling at them and cursing and swearing and telling them to never come back and slammed the door in his face. And the others were like, well, okay, that's unfortunate. And as I started to walk away, the trainer whispered under his breath, he said, success. And his his trainee, his brand new missionary, like called him out on. He was like, "That wasn't a success." He just yelled at us. He swore at us. He told us to never come back. That's that's not a success. And his trainer looked at him and he said, "We followed the prompting of the Spirit. The prompting was to come to this door, and try, and we tried. And even our presence, even the fact that we came." to that door, we brought the spirit to that man. It's up to him to accept that spirit, to feel that spirit. But we did what we could do. That's like, that's our agency. We did what was in our control. And I have never forgotten that. (laughs) And I thought about it later. Um, I've told this story as well um i served during covid and so we were messaging kind of random people on facebook and we would join groups there's a lot of different ways that we kind of would find people and of course um we would we would try to be guided by the spirit as much as possible and i found this one lady i don't remember remember how i found her but i loved her page i loved her profile picture she was just I could just see that she's had fire. And I was like, hey, I need to message this lady. And I just think, I think I just said, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, something like that. It was very, very brief. And kind of the same things thing for others. She was like, how did you find me? I have told the church I don't want to be contacted anymore. How did you contact me? Who told you to contact me? And then she blocked me completely after that. She's like, don't talk to me ever again blocked me the only reason I know she blocked me is because I tried to send a message after and be like oh I'm so sorry I just like saw your account and I liked it and I wanted to like connect I didn't like nobody sent me or anything and it never went through and I was like well that's unfortunate okay and I went on with my day and not even like half an hour later she unblocked me And sent me a message, and she was like, I'm so sorry, that was really out of line. That was, I just reacted. I've had some really, really terrible interactions with the church in the past, and you just always seem to be able to find me. You know, missionaries just show up on my doorstep, and I just got really triggered. And I was like, No, that's totally fair. I was like, Nobody told me to contact you, nothing like that. I was like, I was just on Facebook, and I saw your account, and I really loved, you know, some of the things that you had posted, and I just, like, I just loved your personality, or the personality that I could see. And we ended up talking back and forth for quite a while. Um, She told me a little bit about the traumatic experiences that she had had with the church, which were all horrible, and I like I apologized profusely she's like obviously it's not your fault I'm like no but but I'm so so sorry that that you had interactions with members of the church like that you had interactions with people like that that's horrible and and she told me about like she was moving and how she was doing with the pandemic and we just kind of talked back and forth we didn't really ever and at the very end I said I'm I just want you to know that God loves you and she was like, thank you, you know, I'm atheist, but I kind of, I take that as, you know, the universe is looking out for you, like, I, I, I understand that that's important to you, and thank you for, like, saying that to me, I'm going to take it the way I'm going to take it, and I was like, that's totally fair. And then we stopped talking. And, like, I never once talked about a principle, I never once, like, I talked about God, obviously, at the very end, and she knew I was a missionary, so obviously, like, it wasn't like it was a secret <laughs> but I remember talking to my companion afterwards and I was like I feel so accomplished even though like I don't think she's any, any closer to ever coming back to church and I don't blame her I don't that's up to her that's honestly up to her but she had a fairly positive experience with a missionary right like she had a Positive experience with me, with a member of the church, like hopefully that's healing at least a little bit, maybe possibly, right? Like, like I said, I don't know if she'll ever come back to church, and I don't blame her if she doesn't. But like, for it was just that one interaction that, and I learned a lot from that too. Like, it was it was really amazing. And so, it really is the small and simple things that we do. It is the loving, sharing, and inviting. Um, And of course, work smarter, not harder. The people that you're already interacting with on a daily basis, what can you do differently to love, share, and invite them? (sighs) Love them and share with them and invite them to whatever right and and also I think invitations doesn't mean to have doesn't have to be like to do something or to go somewhere but it could be to do something maybe you talk to your best friend and you say you should think about therapy right like have you ever thought about therapy have you ever thought about going and seeing a counselor or right like things that are improvement self-improvement things that are helpful and loving that don't necessarily have to do with the gospel but you're still encouraging people to do better with their lives and to to be better to be healthy to be happy and maybe someday it will advance to they want to come to church they want to get baptized and maybe it won't but You're doing those a step toward. They're stepping toward, right? It's not your entire job to get somebody baptized. It's your job to love them and to invite them and to to help them to be better and to do better. Um, He also talks about the pandemic being kind of impacting some of the opportunities to share the gospel, especially in the mission field, specifically. But it also provided experience using new technology. I mean, I literally just talked about when I was on a mission as a, in, as a missionary during COVID, we used Facebook. Uh, there's a lot of missions who are piloting programs using Instagram. It's still really strange. I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I'll find like reels and posts by missionaries. <laughs> like that was not my mission. We didn't have Instagram on my mission. We, had, we just had Facebook. But I love it. I love that they're they're using the technology, the churches using the technology that we have to to get in front of more people and to talk to more people in in a different, more organic way. So, and then kind of going along with what we were just talking about, he says this, maybe... An essential part of this missionary effort is for individual members to become beacon-light examples wherever we live. We cannot be in camouflage. A Christ-like example of kindness, righteousness, happiness, and sincere love for all people can create not only a guiding beacon of light for them, but also an understanding that there is a safe harbor in the ordinances of salvation and exaltation of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And like I was just saying, that can seem really overwhelming, right? That we're supposed to be this great example, this great light in the world. And when we feel like we're failing, when we feel like we're not perfect, when we feel like we're not doing enough, that can feel really overwhelming. But we don't need to be perfect to be to show the light of Christ, we don't need to be extroverted and extra and out there all the time to to love people. And it's like I was just talking about being introverted or socially anxious, sometimes it's really hard to do missionary work or to be, you know, have the elders over us, the elders who are asking, you know, who is somebody that you can reach out to? And you're like, ah, I can't do that, that's too much. But It doesn't mean that we have to have all the attention on us. It doesn't mean that we have to go and, like I was just just repeating myself, it doesn't mean we have to go and knock on somebody's door and get them Book of Mormon. It just means that we shine Christ's light and make the world a better place, right? We, We try to make people smile and listen and mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort. We just talked about this last episode. Lift up the hands that hang down, strengthen the feeble knees, right? That is our call as disciples of Christ. That is what we have have covenanted to do, is to love those around us. And as we do that, we're shining Christ's light. We are Christ's light. (laughs) And our light of Christ is going to connect to other people's light of Christ. And they're going to feel it, even if they don't know what it is, even if they never connect it, they're going to feel it. And they're going to feel loved. Um, I um, I love the song, Brightly Beams Our Father's Mercy. I'm kind of sad that the only version that we have in our hymn book is like a, like a men's choir version. So it's in the alto cleft and like it's not part of our like, like we don't sing it in sacrament meeting, right? It is in our hymn book, I promise. Brightly beams our Father's mercy. And there was, well, when I served my mission, we had a lot of uh, poly people in my mission. A lot of poly people who lived in Mesa, Arizona. And we had a family who I knew their daughters I served in their YSA ward sang during a devotional that we had as a mission. They sang Brightly Beams, Our Father's Mercy. It was the $2, their mom and their dad. It was gorgeous, it was beautiful. And then later I had a companion who uh, also loved that song and she explained it to me for the first time. I didn't really know what, it was a beautiful song just in general, but I didn't realize what they were talking about. So I should have grabbed the words, let me find the lyrics. Um, it's talked about a lighthouse, and here it is. So it says, Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman you may rescue, you may save. And there's two more verses, but just that first verse, Barley beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. The lighthouse, we are not the lighthouse. (laughs) Christ is the lighthouse. Father's mercy is Jesus and his atonement. And his light is the big beaming light that is going to help people come and get to at least the right place. The lower lights... Let the lower lights be burning. We are the lower lights. And the lower lights are people who would go along the shore of where the lighthouse was with lanterns to guide the boat into harbor. Because you could see the lighthouse, right? You knew where to go. But once you got there, especially if it was very perilous shores or rocky and things like that, um, actually guiding into harbor the lighthouse isn't going to help you with that the lighthouse is shining out into the sea right um and so the lights along the shore the lower lights would help the boat actually get past the shore and see where the shoreline was so that's our job we are But to us, he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. We are the lower lights. We are still light. We still have the light of Christ in us. But we're not... We're the support act, right? I'm not saying that to, like, degrade us. We're only the support act. But, like, we are the... We're the lower lights. And... But we are, a, we are guiding lights. We are not the people who, <laughs> if the Spirit does it, right? We're not the ones who, we don't convert the Spirit does. We don't convert the Lord does. And so that feels less <laughs> daunting to me than being the lighthouse, right? I'm not the lighthouse. That's not my job. My job is the lower lights, to go out with my lantern and to help guide people into safety. So, um, yeah, that's kind of all I've got for the talk. But my question, of course, again was, um, how do you love, share, and invite in your daily life, um, in a way that works for you, in the way that you're, in the ways that you are called to do? That's, and then. Further note, further reading. So I wrote down five footnotes, six, 19, 22, 23, and 25. And these will all be in the show notes so you can see which, which footnotes I'm specifically pointing out. As I've said before, pay attention to all the footnotes, but there were things in those footnotes specifically that I thought were interesting that you might wanna specifically pay attention to. And then, oh, I didn't write the down right. Um, I actually don't know what year that is, I just put 2-2, two, two. that's not gonna help. 2021, okay. <laughs> so Welcome Message by President Nelson, April 2021 General Conference. Hope of Israel by President Nelson, is a worldwide youth devotional, that has been quoted so many times, it was quoted so many times last conference. Um. So that's an interesting one to look out for. It was June of 2018. It was right after he became prophet. Children of the Covenant by President Nelson in April of 1995. And then Covenants by President Nelson October of 2011 were the talks that he either referenced or were in the footnotes. So if you're looking for further reading, further study on specific things for this talk, you can look at those. Um, and like I said, I'll put those on the show notes so that you don't have to, like, <laughs> try and <laughs> write them down as you t- as I talk. Um, but thank you so, so much for listening and or watching this episode of General Conference Conversations. Um, if you enjoy the show, the podcast, the videos, please think about, please consider subscribing, commenting, liking this video, um, following on your podcatcher of choice, leaving reviews, telling your friends. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I announce when new episodes are coming out and stuff like that over there as well. Um, And yeah, I just, I love having these conversations with you and I'm so grateful for everybody who has watched. So I will talk to y'all next time.